0: series called back to normal because let's be honest a lot of us in fact probably most of us are waiting for this to become a reality uh, with the things that we've been going through over the last few months and all of that and uh, and if you're new with us uh, this is probably something that uh, that speaks to you as well because we all want uh, that sense of normalcy we all want uh, what you would like to think of as back to normal um, and I think we've all kind of come to the realization that that Idea of normal has been uh, not only challenged uh, but really dismantled in a lot of ways uh, With what we're going through But we want things to be the way that we used to the, the way that they used to be that's just how we're wired as humans uh, We like a sense of comfort and we like being able to uh, to know what to expect and and all of those things but you know as, as believers the only thing that should really be normal For us as believers of of Jesus and um, is is the fact that we are always in a season of change because if you've been a believer for any period of time um, you know that God is in the business of changing things quite often Um, and that should be nothing new for us as, as followers of Christ and so as we go through the book of Acts we see that the disciples And the early church that are in the book of Acts that we look at uh, had to deal with change all the time. Uh, They had to get used to things being different all the time because uh, what they thought was normal was always up for grabs. Everything changed, in fact, every page that you turn, if you read through the book of Acts, you're gonna see where they have uh, something that maybe they thought would be normal and it gets completely flipped on its head and it gets completely changed. Uh, and they had to get used to that. And as we go through the, the book of Acts, we see that there is nothing normal about following Jesus. That was our, that's, that's been one of our main points through, through this entire thing. Uh, and, and, and it's really so true that if you follow Jesus, there is nothing normal about it. And so as we are going to be going through the book of Acts, which, is, um, which is, takes, I'm sorry, it's right after the gospel. So you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And then you've got the book of Acts right there. And it really is, uh, for those of you that maybe haven't been here the first couple of weeks, um, it's very much part two to the gospel of Luke. It was written by Luke. Uh, and for a while, as I mentioned before, uh, Luke was really in two volumes. And Acts was kind of volume two of that. And, uh, and, and so we see as, as we go through this sequentially, which isn't something I do very often, but, but we're doing that through the book of Acts because there are so many things as you read through the book of Acts that we can relate to now with the things that we are going through uh, as, a, as a church and as individuals and as believers. And you're going to see that today as well. Um, but Luke was a physician. He was uh, a Gentile, which basically just means he wasn't a Jew. And he hung out with the Apostle Paul uh, quite a bit. And we're going to get to that uh, here in the next couple of weeks. But the gospel of Luke... Is the beginning of Jesus work and we know that in in the Gospels in Matthew Mark Luke and John that that we see the the narrative and the story of Jesus and Luke is the beginning of Jesus work and Jesus ministry and Acts is very much the continuation of that and we've said this as well that in a lot of ways the the book of Acts while it is a completed volume um, is in many ways continuing to be written by the church today because we are uh, continuing the work of Jesus, because that's what we're called to do. And, um, and the Holy Spirit is really the main star of the book of Acts. You could really call Acts the acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostles, because you see the Holy Spirit all the time moving through uh, and, and using the apostles. And, and even as, as Mikey talked about last week, how uh, just ordinary guys doing extraordinary things... Um, because of the power of the Holy Spirit. But we're going to see today also that when the Holy Spirit is involved, that we handle things differently, or at least we should. We should handle things differently if we're letting the Holy Spirit and allowing the Holy Spirit to guide and direct us. So let me ask you this question. Have you ever felt like you've been wronged? Don't raise your hand, (laughs) because just about all of us could. But but have you ever been in that position where you're saying this, I've been wronged, I have been wronged. I know I've felt that, I've felt that many times. I think all of us have felt that in a certain sense, whether it's uh, maybe, maybe a friend that's done something wrong against you, um, you've felt betrayed, uh, maybe it's somebody that's told a lie about you, and you feel like you've been, uh, you've been wronged in, in that way, that maybe your reputation has been has been destroyed as somebody talking behind your back somebody uh, you know just straight up mean to you for no reason we've all been in a place and maybe it's something much much worse than that um but we've all been in a place where we've felt this way where we felt like we i've been wronged and, we, and then we react and we react, we react to that and we feel justified or at least we want to feel justified in that and and we almost feel correct in wanting to get even. And, and there's a part of us, if we're being honest, there's a part of us that we would say, boy, if I could get even, if I could just make that right in whatever way you might think that might be, that now things will be back to normal, that I can get things back to normal because I've, I've been able to get even. And, and we all want to feel, um, we all want to feel like we've been restored. We all want restitution when we feel this way. We feel like we've been wronged. We want restitution. And I want you to keep that in mind as we go through the Word of God today. I want you to keep this idea in mind. And we're going to come back to it at the end. So if you do have your Bibles, turn uh, to the book of Acts, chapter 7. Or if you have your Bible app, you can certainly follow along if you're watching online uh, or you're uh, here with us. Whether it's a physical Bible or the Bible app, you can just go, uh, if you have the Bible app, you can go into events and you can find Connect Church in Akron, Ohio, and you can follow along with me there. Um, And as as you are turning there, uh, I wanna give you a perspective on something. I wanna give you a perspective on something that, that you may have thought before, maybe you haven't articulated it like this, but let me ask you if you've ever noticed this. The villain never thinks that they are the villain. Think about movies that you've watched, at least the good movies that have good writing, and you've got a really good villain that's in there. They don't think they're the villain, do they? That was one of the best things about the Avengers movies when when you got to uh, Endgame, yeah, thank you for that. Um, (laughs) Thanos did not think he was the villain, right? You thought I was gonna go Star Wars. I'm not, although Darth Vader did too. But Thanos did not think he was the villain. Right? He felt completely justified in what he was doing for the greater good. The villain, a good villain that's written, doesn't think they're the villain. But sometimes, and, that, and I'm just talking in movies and in literature and things like that. But what about us? What, what about when it comes to us? How, how do we check ourselves to be sure maybe that, that we treat each other and we treat each situation right and we don't end up being the villain that doesn't think they're the villain? kind of tough. As we get into Acts chapter 7, we are entering a difficult time for the church. We're entering the difficult time for the, for the young church. The church has, has not been around very long, and they're in Jerusalem, and they're just getting formed. And remember that, that Jesus has, uh, has ascended and has left them with the mission of uh, reaching Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. He's saying, start at home and work your way out. And so and so the early church, they are in in a lot of ways trying to get this all figured out. They're running for their lives, they're 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 being arrested and putting on trial and, and all kinds of things like that. And and while these Christians, these followers of the way, as it was called, they're being persecuted, ultimately running from their homes, they kept their hearts and they kept their focus on God. And they kept their focus where it needed to be, even in the midst of really, really difficult circumstances. And we come across uh, a guy named Stephen. And Stephen is one of the, in Acts chapter 6, if you would go back just a little bit, Stephen uh, is is the first one listed in what's what's considered the calling of the seven, or really, if you look at it, it's the first deacons. These are really the first deacons, and deacon really just means servant. Um, And that uh, th- these guys were, were called and, and put into action to, to do other ministry because the apostles just couldn't do it all. And so they, uh, they empowered some, some guys to, to go out and serve and, and to do some of the other things that they just couldn't get to. And so he's out and he's speaking and, and, and he's healing and doing amazing things, and God's just using him in amazing ways. And so uh, we come to a point where he gets arrested and, and he's being persecuted and he is on trial here and he's on trial and and he's accused of speaking blasphemy he's accused of saying things against moses and against god so these are the spiritually self-righteous people who are all talking about how things used to be and that jesus came and kind of wrecked all of that and we're going to get to that in a few minutes but he was speaking against the holy place the temple um and against the law and they accused him of saying that jesus would destroy the temple both the temple and the customs that were delivered by moses and so at the beginning of Acts 7 though we find stephen who's being uh being put on trial if you will and he's in front of the sanhedrin and it's his turn if you will to reply or to be on the defense and instead he doesn't actually go on the defense he does a little bit but not very much Quite frankly, what he does is he takes the opportunity in the beginning of Acts chapter 7, and we're not going to read all of that, um, and he he preaches. He wasn't concerned about defending himself, though we get concerned about defending ourselves when we feel like we've been wronged. But this actually goes way further uh, than maybe you even thought if you have never heard the story of Stephen. But he wasn't really interested in defending himself. He just wanted to proclaim the truth of Jesus in a way that people could understand, and so he preaches. And nearly all of Acts chapter 7 is him preaching. And he lays out the history of of some things, and and he lays out the gospel. And he lays out the gospel at the end, and he talks about the power of Jesus and what Jesus really came to do and and how Jesus came to save. And and we get to this part at the end of Acts chapter 7 in verse 54. And we're going to read this uh, here together. So in Acts 7, 54, as we get to the end of this, here's what it says. So when the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, these are the people putting him on trial, they were furious and they gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And at this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city, And began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. And while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he fell on his knees and he cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Meaning he died. So basically what happens is a riot starts because Stephen had the audacity, had the goal to share his perspective and speak the truth in love. Sound familiar? Unfortunately, this is a little too familiar of some things happening today. He was speaking the truth, but because they didn't like what he was saying, they start a riot and they start violence. But I want you to notice Stephen's response. He didn't fight back. He didn't fight back. He very well could have, would have been justified. But God gives Stephen a vision of glory. God gives Stephen a vision and he sees he sees the glory of God. And when he sees that, all the other stuff going on doesn't really matter. Because his perspective was seeing God. He was overwhelmed with humility and peace, and God brought him into his presence. And he even cries out in a way that's similar to Jesus at the end here when he says, don't hold it against them. Boy, the irony of Scripture. And so, watching all of this happen is a man named Saul, who was a Pharisee, who had good intentions. Saul had good intentions. He's standing there watching this happen. Saul is, is a Pharisee, which is um, somebody who's very much a by-the-book guy, the laws of God and the laws of the temple. They, they are the way, this is the way we've always done it, and so this is the way it's always going to be. And he had, in his mind, good intentions, And this is the first time that we meet Saul, who, spoiler alert, he eventually becomes Paul. We're going to talk about that next week. But the first time we see him, he's at the stoning of Stephen. Now, if you don't know what it's like to be killed by stoning, I hope, well, none of us do. But I remember hearing these stories, like in Sunday school, you know, and thinking that it's just people like picking up rocks, you know, just like baseball size maybe and chucking them at at people. And I'm thinking, man, that must've taken a while. No, 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 no. We're talking like bowling balls. All right. Like big rocks. The bowling balls were probably the smallest ones that that were that size. And you're getting hit with these boulders, these bowling ball size rocks until you're dead. This was not fun. This is not a great way to be executed. This was a bloody Messy, disgusting scene. Think about the things, well, maybe don't, but but if you really are like getting your head around this, like they they say it real quick, but similar to like in, in the gospels when it just says, and he was crucified, there's a whole lot wrapped up in that. And it's the same with this. When they say that he was stoned, everybody in the day that this was written to knew what that meant. And knew how, quite frankly, bad this was. And Saul, the first time we see him, he's standing there holding the coats of the people throwing these rocks. This tells you the kind of man that he was, but he had good intentions. He felt justified in what he was doing. He was helping to hunt down and kill Christians, men and women, because he thought it was the right thing to do. And he was a Pharisee, so as a rules guy, he's like, this is, this is it. These are the rules. This is how it's going to be. And, and this was Saul in many ways. Believe me, you can, you can relate with him here. He was trying to get back to normal. Because what was normal for the Pharisees has been, had been completely thrown on its head by Jesus. What Jesus came and did And put into place completely flipped what was normal for the Pharisees. And they didn't know how to handle it, which is why they killed Jesus. Jesus and his followers messed up the Pharisees' version of following God that they thought was normal, and he completely wrecked it. He showed up and wrecked it in every way possible because that's what it took. That's what it took. And if you're honest, Jesus probably wrecked your life as well. In a good way. And he may have had to because that's what it took. Sometimes that's hard to hear. But Jesus, maybe, maybe he had to take everything that you thought was normal and flip it. Maybe everything that you thought was normal had to get flipped. And you could either get with that or you could reject it. Those are really the two choices. Because we have good intentions too. We do, we have good intentions. But we let our version and our perspective of good intentions get in the way and justify a means that doesn't honor or glorify God and doesn't connect people to the gospel. Because we let our emotions get involved and we let let our own wants and wishes and needs get ahead of us. But God had a greater purpose for Saul. A much greater purpose. And we're going to get into that next week. God did something amazing with him. And he has a greater purpose for you as well. In the midst of what might seem like crazy, God has a purpose and it's nothing close to normal <laughs> as we've all seen it's nothing close to normal so let's flip over to Acts chapter 8 the beginning of Acts chapter 8 beginning in verse 1 so this is right after Stephen is killed and stoned to death it says and Saul approved of their killing him and on that day a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him but Saul began to destroy the church going from house to house he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison Saul leading the charge on this the death of Stephen begins this great persecution of the church and the believers are scattered in fear they are scattered in fear at least right at the beginning and so Saul becomes even more bold and starts tracking them down and leading the charge as I said on this and imprisoning Christians and, and killing them. but here's the thing that didn't stop the church that didn't stop the church from growing in fact the church continued to grow Look at the next verse in verse four. It says this, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Now, I wanna break this down, this verse down for just a second for you because the word preached here, I think sometimes we, we let certain words will let us off the hook. Now, the Bible wasn't written in English. I think we all know that. At least I hope we all know that. If you didn't, the Bible wasn't written in English. It it was written, this part of the Bible was written in Greek. And so the Greek word here for for preached um, is actually better translated for us as as really like the word shared in terms of the context in which it's it's used. And and here's why I say that. Because for us, when we hear the word preached, we kind of say, oh, that lets me off the hook because I'm not a preacher, just because of the way the word preached is used. This is why I think shared is a better word for us to use here. Because we are all called to share. If we're a follower of Jesus, we are all called to share the good news of Jesus and what he has done for our lives, in our lives, with those around us. We're all called to be about about that. And so don't let the word preach sidetrack you here. Or make you think that, oh, this this isn't really talking about me. Because it is. It's talking about all of us. Because the disciples here, they were scattered with purpose. They were scattered with purpose. And and while this might seem a little dire at the beginning, it was actually completely intentional. Completely intentional on the part of God. Because the word scattered that's used here, there's two different words in the ancient Greek for scattered. And one of them uh, has to do with more like, uh, I guess a better example would be using it in terms of like scattering ashes. Like it's got a a finality to it. It, um, Scattering in the sense of making something like disappear, okay? Um, The other word, which is the one that's being used here, um, has more of a sense of like planting or sowing or, uh, you know, giving something room to grow. And so there's intentional action implied here. And so they were scattered. The believers were scattered so that they had room to grow. Think about that in terms of your own life. They were scattered. They were forced to do what they had been reluctant to do. We know from Acts 1.8 that Jesus said, you be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. I was talking about that earlier. Well, to this point in the story of the early church, they had just been in Jerusalem. They had not gone out further than that. And so God kind of took this opportunity to kick them out of the nest and push them out more because they were scattered. And at first they were running for their lives, sure, but Jesus clearly told his followers that we were to take care of home first and work our way out and to bring the gospel to Judea and Samaria. And it's interesting if you look back in those verses, that's exactly where they were scattered to, Judea and Samaria. But to this point, Jesus' followers hadn't done that, and so he scattered them for a purpose. And maybe he has done that with you as well. Maybe it's not physically scattered you. Maybe, it, maybe it's a little more something to do with what's happening in your life or what has happened in your life or where you're at, maybe even right now in this moment. Maybe this scattering that's happening is for a purpose, and I want to remind you of a very real truth about God and about the character of God and about who he is that I think we forget oftentimes, but it doesn't mean it's not true. And it's and it's this, that your trials and your troubles do not catch God off guard. Don't think for a moment that what you're going through, or what you have gone through, or maybe what you're going to run into this coming week don't think that God ever is sitting there and and going didn't see that coming because that couldn't be further from the truth your trials and your troubles do not catch God off guard God can create good results out of bad circumstances I've seen him do it before He, he can also choose not to so I don't want you to think that everything is rainbows and sunshine and that every, every single bad situation that you're going through is going to end up being. But God can use every situation for a purpose. You may not see the end result of that. But you might. See, the persecution in Acts 8, everything that they were going through there, the, the, the trouble with Stephen and, and the fact that he was stoned and put to death in that way, that can all be looked at as crazy as it sounds as being the will of God, because the result ended up being good. The gospel was spread because of it. And this is what needed to happen for that to move forward. Stephen's death, as horrible and disgusting as it, as it was, advanced the kingdom of God in amazing ways that maybe wouldn't have happened any other way. God can and will use the pressing circumstances in our life to guide us into his will. Sometimes we need to be shaken out of our comfortable state before we do what God wants us to do. Sometimes God has to rip us out of normal for us to step up and do what he's been calling us to do from the beginning. So let's go back to something I mentioned at the beginning. Maybe you've been wronged. You might be sitting here thinking about a very specific situation. You've had rocks thrown at you because you spoke the truth. You've had rocks thrown at you from all sides because maybe you stood your ground on something that you knew you had to stand your ground on. Maybe you got completely blindsided by something and you didn't even realize what was happening. And it hurts. It hurts when we get rocks thrown at us, whether it's actually physically, verbally, (laughs) subtweets, social media, all that kind of stuff. It hurts. Inevitably, it may take you down physically. It took Stephen down physically. He did amazing things for God before he was actually down for the count. But you know what? God used it in amazing ways. And had he not done what he did, the church would not have been scattered and spread in the way it did. God took a horrible situation and used it for his kingdom and we can be just like these early Christians we can share the good news of what Jesus has done in our lives and unfortunately church we, we may be if we keep our eyes open and we look around we, we may be getting closer to what the church looked like in Acts than we might be comfortable with the time might be coming we don't know what the next couple of months are going to look like. We don't know what the season finale of 2020 is going to bring. But as a church, we need to be ready. And we need to be focused on the glory of God because when all the rocks are being thrown at you and you're getting hit from every single side and you know that maybe you're going down, Stephen focused on the glory of God and he focused on the presence of Jesus and he focused on his eternal glory And, and what did we say earlier that all of the other things just sort of weren't as important anymore because God was able to take that and use that in ways that nobody saw coming and it sometimes takes some sacrifice it sometimes takes us being willing to give up our sense of normal for God to do something amazing. See, most people don't come to Jesus from the preacher. Don't get me wrong. One of my favorite things to be a part of is to lead somebody to Christ. Honestly, it just, it's it's amazing. It's an amazing thing that I, that I get to do. And I don't know if you've ever been able to sit and pray with somebody and, and lead them lead them to Christ and, and watch. I've seen this a few times, it's not necessarily every single time, but, but it's an amazing thing to see when you can almost see the Holy Spirit come into their life and you can almost see the weight of the bricks that they were carrying fall from them and you, and you basically see like a literal change happen physical change on their face and just on the way that they carry themselves because they know that they've given it over to Jesus. And some of you maybe felt that way the moment that you gave your life to Jesus. But here's the thing. It's an awesome thing to be a part of. It's probably my favorite thing to be a part of. But most people don't come to Jesus from the preacher. Most people come to Jesus from everyone else, from you. Most people find a saving knowledge of Jesus through that, through their friends, through the community around them. These were ordinary people who went out and just shared what Jesus had done in their life and they shared the good news of the gospel. And they focused on that. And when things were getting dire and when things were getting tough and when things were getting Really really tough when people were getting killed and stoned and thrown in jail. They didn't back down They just kept sharing and speaking the truth and love and they kept focusing on the mission They didn't sit back and just wait for the preacher to do it and don't take that the wrong way when I'm saying that but But I think you see what I'm getting at here The things that we go through in our life some of the stones that are being thrown at us when we feel like we've been wronged, we need to focus on the glory of God. We need to focus on what, on what Jesus is doing and let the results take care of themselves because if God is in control and we believe he is, then we need to believe that he is in every single circumstance. That's why my connection point for the morning is this. When things don't seem normal, Trust God and stay faithful. Trust God and stay faithful because guess what? Things are not going to seem normal for quite a while because God's in the business of wrecking normal. He takes our normal and he wrecks it and he uses it. And he does amazing things with it our responsibility is to trust god and to remain faithful and sometimes that's really really hard to do but we've got to keep our focus on him would you bow your heads with me i don't want to pray here in just a minute because I believe that there are some of us that are here watching online, boy, you feel like you've got boulders being thrown at you left and right. And you haven't even, you haven't even really felt the impact from one before another one hits you from the other side. You might be thinking, God, what are you doing in all of this? But he knows all too well how abnormal things are right now how abnormal what you're going through right now might feel and he knows all too well what he is doing in it and don't forget that because the enemy wants to make you forget that and don't think for a second that anything anything catches God off guard nothing catches him off guard. And if you want to know for sure that no matter what happens with these rocks that are being tossed at you, no matter what happens there, that, that you have a relationship with Jesus, that, that you know for 100% sure that you're going to be in eternity with him no matter what happens. Well, I've got some good news for you because that is the good news of the gospel. That God loves you so much. He created you to have a relationship with him and it's our sin that separates us from him and there's nothing we can do to remove those sins and it and it's it's the fact that jesus paid the price for you and for me that we can know for a hundred percent sure that we'll have eternal life with him and that eternal life is available for anyone and everyone no matter what you've done no matter where you've been no matter what you've gone through and that eternal life can start right now Father, I thank you so much for bringing us all here today. Lord, I thank you so much for the truth of your word. And I thank you, Lord, that we can trust you. God, things are not normal right now. They haven't been for a few months, but if we're being honest with ourselves, they haven't been for a long, long time. God, we know things aren't gonna get back to normal in terms of what we think they're gonna be anytime soon. So, Father, help us to trust you Help us to stay faithful. Help us to keep our eyes on you when we're getting hit left and right from the front, from the back. And we don't know what to do. God, I believe that there are some of us in here that are feeling that way and we feel like we don't know what to do. Lord, help, help us to trust you. Help us to stay faithful. Remind us that you're never caught off guard. Lord, if there's one here that doesn't know you as Savior, that they're not 100% sure that they're going to be with you in heaven one day, I pray, Lord, that they would not walk out of these doors today without getting that right. Holy Spirit, I pray you would just continue to move in a mighty and powerful way. Thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. If you're undeserved, Lord, we don't deserve the favor that you give us. And we thank you so much for that. Holy Spirit, continue to move. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray.